Hi, I'm Maureen Rogers. Welcome to the first episode of the Entrepreneur's Survival Guide. You may be wondering a little bit about how I came to be here with you today. Well, the first part of this journey, and this journey has been epic so far, um, with ups and downs, to say the least. Um, and there's been many critical stages along the way. And in this episode, I'm just going to talk to you probably about the very first stage of my early life, about what started me on a journey of personal development, of striving to achieve, of overcoming um, some of the barriers that are in my way. So the first start of the journey all started back in about 1998. It was the day I discovered that my life wasn't going to be what I thought it was. It was the day I'd found out that my kidneys weren't going to last much longer and I only had a short time before dialysis was needed. I'd been going to the doctors regularly for quite a while, um, probably since about the age of 13, and I'd always had this impression that um, my kidneys were fairly stable and my Crohn's disease was fairly stable and life was going to be reasonable with some of its all right challenges. So when I visited this new doctor and I sat down and he told me that kidneys weren't going to last as long um, and dialysis was on the cards very soon, it came as such a surprise. You see, from about 1992, when I was 13, I'd become rather poorly. Initially, my mum thought it was an eating disorder and threatened me with the doctors in the hope that that would get me to eat, but it didn't, and I accepted the doctors, and we, we soon threw that idea out of the window. Um, and regular hospitals visits had become the norm. It, it had taken, it actually took more than four years and lots of tests in, in places that I won't mention for the sake of this podcast or the, <laughs> um, to get some, uh, to get a diagnosis about what was going on. I remember over those past four years though, my mum had always been a rocker support, attending hospital points with me and just being there by my side. I don't know if you've got a friend or a relative who just knows what you what you like and what you need in these kind of times. Um, we often didn't speak when we was attending the hospital or walking to the hospital. Um, even at the appointments, we often just sat there in silence and that's what I wanted. Um, and my mum knew that. I don't know how she knew that because um, I never told her that's what I wanted. Um, well, I guess that's just mum's for you. She was always there though, by my side, a reassuring certainty of strength a rock to say the least. Um, but over the years, uh, when I started to get to adulthood, I went, I started going by myself. So I was about 18 now and I went to the hospital, um, both for my kidney, um, chronic kidney disease and my Crohn's. Each appointment would follow so the similar sort of routine. Um, Health was, wasn't great, but it was stable and manageable. I'd walk in, the doctor would be like, how are you doing? I'd be like, I'm fine. I've got this challenge and this challenge. But overall, it's fine. They'd look at the, the blood tests and uh, say, yes, this is this. And we maybe need to adjust your medication like this. And I'd be on my way and I'd say hello to the nurses and walk out. And we'd carry on. And, and, and I'd got my head around the fact that that was the norm. That, that I wasn't ever going to get discharged. Over the four years, I'd, I'd come to realise that I was never going to be discharged from the hospital. Um, and that and that, that was life. So um, then there was this one appointment. I saw a new doctor. 
previous one had gone into retirement. I don't know whether I'd aged him. He, he, he was a, a very mature man, so we'd say, a very classic old-style doctor. Um, and this guy was a new kid on the block, um, young, fresh, um, Dr. McIntyre. And I sat down, I went in, and um, he sat opposite a much taller chap than me, but that's not really that difficult. Um, and to one side there was a window, and on the side of the window you had a courtyard where inpatients could go and walk and around the gardens. Um, back in those days, smoke, I guess. They would have, some of them would have smoked back inside the hospital grounds. And um, <clears throat> as he sat, he looked at me, and, and uh, there was a bit of a conversation. Some of it's blank. Uh, I've got to admit, I've, I've lost memory or... I never stored some of the memories there. Um, and he, he said something along the lines of, Martin, we need to start looking at the plan for dialysis. Turning my head and looking out the window, I kind of just went into this robot mode. I was um, very young looking at the time and something that I didn't actually like looking so young, if I'm honest. Um, people would say I, I would when I got older, but... And I do, I've missed that those days now, I look a lot older. Um, but anyway, I wanted to always make sure that I, I appeared adult and I appeared mature and that um, I knew what was going on and I fully understood what was going on. So after a very short time, I looked back and, and I just kind of switched off my emotions. I went back in, in, into this robot mode and I didn't want to let him know it was a surprise to me. Um, it, it took me just just that moment and I just kind of nodded in agreement and I went along with the conversation about how the journey would then go and how I'd be introduced to a transplant nurse who would be a pinnacle person in my life. Um, yeah. And he explained all the journey and from there it becomes a bit of a blur. The rest of the appointment is, is a, a real blur and I don't really remember much. I often try to remember the whole sequence of events, but only specific areas are burnt into my memory. I guess that must be because they're the significant parts. They're the parts that I really attach the emotion to. My memory really comes back when I was driving home. I was driving my dad's white Astra and um, I just turned a corner onto a very sharp bend with an uphill. So there was some gear movement to go on and... Um, something must have played some music must have just triggered off my emotions and they, they switched I, I, I remember as i turned that sharp corner the tears started falling reality rained down on me a, a bit like a flash flood of rain really my eyes just poured and i sobbed my heart out kind of saying why me why was why was i being punished with this you, it came down so fast and um a bit like, you know, when it rains, your wipers go so fast back and to, and they make no difference to how much you can see. I can remember that's what it was like. There was tears flooding so much. And I felt that that was the end of of life, really, as I knew it, and that I wouldn't really have much of a life. And I felt powerless to do anything but accept my fate. But I continued driving. At the time, I was trying to find a meaning in everything that was going on and take back control. I was so angry with the universe, God or something, not not being really religious. I don't know why I was angry at God, but I spoke to him a lot during this period or whoever. Um, and I'd already always had a rebellious side. If somebody told me I couldn't do something, 
then a fire would light up inside me. I had, I decided that my illness was not going to stop me. I was not going, I was going to be successful. I was going to make my parents proud and do something in my life. I wasn't going to let it win. It was like a game, like a competition. And I knew somehow I could win. I was determined to win and not let it win. So, uh, and that kind of thought process and that kind of mentality had been developed at school, I guess. Being in a little school had not been fun. My friends didn't want to hang out with me and they drifted away. Who wants to hang out with a poorly kid who can't really play out at night and um, is a bit lethargic and not that much fun. At the same time, I was prescribed steroids, prednisolone steroids. Um, Smarties, as I heard one doctor refer to them. Um, and they made me rather large, um, rather quickly, because they increase your appetite and you can just eat and eat and eat. And they make you feel great and that's awesome. But I put on a lot of weight in these last few years at school. And uh, strangely enough, that meant that bullying was led and came in at that time. Um, and so all these things were going on and I left school with, with mediocre qualifications and I, not enjoying school and everything else that was going on. I wanted to go and get a job. I was determined to get a job and, and start to make a success of it. And no matter how ill I felt, no matter what day it was, I would go into work. My mum was really not happy with me getting this job because I was 16. I said I'd just do it as a summer job, but I continued on there. It was a full-time job. It was a, a sales assistant at Jacobs Photographic. We used to book in the camera films and send them off for processing to get physical prints with physical films. So if somebody's watching this below the age of about 25, you probably don't know what I mean by a film that goes in the back of a camera. Um, but even at this young age, despite my health challenges, I got a real buzz from helping people and getting a thank you from people and showing them the cameras and um, what the cameras could do for them and, and then being really grateful and, and doing a service to other, giving a service to other people. I got a real thrill from that. <clears throat> and then I was getting more and more sick, frustrated and lonely because I'd go into work and when I come home, I was tired. I didn't socialize much. I was so frustrated at my body and mind not being the way I wanted them to be, not being able to allow me to do what I wanted to do. So dialysis started, you know, a year or so later, and I was, I think, about 19 by this point. So I'd managed to keep at work, go to work every day, no matter what, no matter how poorly I was. Um, I'd started to get a sense of achievement, this dialysis came along and you, when you're on dialysis and you go there at least three times a week and, you know, my heart goes out to anybody that's still on dialysis these days. Um, that is, you're on the machine for at least four hours if it's hemodialysis. That means you're giving up at least 20 hours of your life a week. And there was always this voice that told me that I was meant for something more. I don't know whether everybody else gets that. Either. And it sounds... I'm not sure what the right word is, but it sounds, I don't know, like, <laughs> um, but anyway, I wanted to find a way to be and do more. And as you can imagine, I was, I was in a bad shape and, and quite desperate by this point, but I wasn't ready to give up on, on my dream of having a meaningful life where I achieved something and made my parents proud. So 
I decided to start using the dialysis time. I remember um, be going into one dialysis and I was sat in this big chair. It's a bit like a dentist chair, but with loads more padding because you have to be dead comfy because um, you sat there still for four hours. Luckily, I had kind of what they call a permacaf, which comes out here and it allows you to plug straight into the machine. Um, other people have needles put in their arms. Um, I won't go too graphic in case anybody's a bit squeamish. Um, but I can remember the nurse plugging me into the washing machine to clean my blood and looking down, there's this book. It's about that thick as such so paperback book. And it was um, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, which sounds a bit corny and cheesy, I know, but um, I read that book and every line of that book hit me. Every line of that book made a difference to how I felt and how I thought. And um, I read it rather quickly, I guess. Maybe one or two sessions. I wasn't the quickest reading, but that was quite quick for me. Um, and my thoughts, as I said, they changed into a positive of what can be, what can be achieved, what I can do. And it was like a bl blast of fresh air. It gave me hope. It changed everything. It changed how I perceived life, how, it, how I perceived what I can achieve, what could be done. Um, it gave me a glimpse of how to take control of my life using my mind, how to influence me, those around me, to have a better life. It created hope and, and not allow me, my illness to hold me back. It allowed me to dream of a future that I was excited about. It allowed me to help myself to have some power. And that set me in a life, my life, in a direction I could only have dreamed of at the time. And I didn't know what was round the corner. It wasn't long after the journey of personal development started. I got promoted to assistant manager at the Nottingham branch. And then some other things started to happen. Which this journey had set me on. And it's almost like I'd manifested it into my life. I was starting to have... Some real f amazing things happen. But my job was... Any we'll come on to that in a, an, another episode, I'm sure. Um, my job had become everything and I was totally absorbed by it. It was where I was useful and liked. I felt important and significant there. Something I'd never felt before. Or so, something certainly in my memory I couldn't remember. I'm sure there was lots of times when I felt that way, but not in recent memory at that time. But this was just first part of the journey. And from these challenging times, I had ultimately learned that no matter what, you can take control and make a difference. So this, that was the first stage of where, what led to where I am today. Someone who wants to help other people to achieve by my achievements. That's not really how I wanted to say it. I want to help other people achieve so I can be successful. I want to create a legacy for my family, security for my family in case something happens to me. I want to make a difference while I'm here. And it's not been easy and I've been not been perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And the journey isn't complete yet. And there were some other critical moments along the journey. But what I wanted to tell you about today is that first step about this journey. And in future episodes, I'll tell you the 
about the further stages and um, some really amazing people that have helped make the journey very special.